The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. She's recognized and renowned as a public broadcaster and a broadcaster on diverse radio stations. But she's actually moved and shifted. She's now the founder, fundraiser and strategist at something called the Pero Impact Gardens. Azania Mosaka is on the line. Azania, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing, Michelle? It's been a while. It's been a while, and I must say, when I saw what you had decided to shift your focus to, I wanted to tap dance on the tables. It's such a wonderful-looking-sounding opportunity for young people. So, well done. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Got to also extend that to the team, because, you know, this kind of thing is not something you can achieve alone. And initially, yeah. that's, that's really how I went into it, um, thinking I could do it alone. And I've learned so many lessons over the past three years. So um, talk to us, what, what is it? What, what have you actually created? Peo Impact Gardens. And if I'm not mistaken, Peo is the word seed. for seed. That's right. Yes. Yeah. In Sotswana, yes. It means seed in Sotswana. I wanted to, I think I was starting to feel, having been in broadcasting, having been in talk radio for, and having done broadcasting for 20 years, you know, always on the receiving end and talking about, uh, you know, people's emotions and just how they felt Mm. about what was going wrong in the country. Because there was so much of it, a lot of it focused on what was going wrong. And I decided to find ways to get back in there and try and solve our problems or be part of the solutions. Um, and I looked to the things that I enjoyed, the things that I understood, things that I think I have a natural acumen for, and they include gardening. I've always been a gardener in my adult years. I have great memories of my grandmother's home, for instance, when we were growing up in Soweto. She used to have food trees all over. I mean, the huh. foods that we ate were from her garden in Soweto in Clipsbrink. We used to sit under the vines of the grape of the grape tree, and yeah. just pick from these jewels that are <laughs> hanging from the grapes, you know. And we'd get into trouble for uh, swapping peaches with other kids and seeing <laughs> neighbors' peaches and figs yes. and the like. So now I, you would you'd be hard pressed to find a tree, a fruit tree in Soweto. And my own garden, for instance, I know, and I, I have a vegetable garden. I have. You know, an ornamental garden as well, which I'm, uh, I have my own uh, politics about and so on, things like lawns and so on. But I've always gardened. So I look to those things to try and solve problems. And what I've learned over the years is that gardening provides a level of peace. I think being yeah. in nature, for instance, is very restorative. Um, and that's why I turned to it. So in short, um, we went into primary schools Quintile One primary schools, which are fee-free schools, and we're trying to bring in positive interventions because often in our society, we look to the metric results at the end of a child's education, and we don't look at the inputs in the primary years. So for us, the focus is about improving the primary school experience so that at least we can look to different outcomes later on. It's interesting that you say that. I mean, in fact, uh, last weekend we were talking about the fact that if you're going to look quite uh, critically at the education system, the binding constraint is in fact ECD and, as you say, early childhood 
development. But you're creating organic vegetable gardens for schools, and they're going to be supplementing uh, the school nutrition program. How is that going to happen? So what we do is that we develop the garden, and then the schools actually do have, um, the, the, they're part of the National Nutrition Program. So they already yes. have a kitchen. They already have a system. You should see on uh, what happens at break time. So the kids come to school with an empty container, and yeah. they get dished for from the kitchen. So, and, you know, it's soya, it's sand, it's, 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 it's good food, but we wanted to add the the vegetable component. And these are also teaching guidance. So they have a number of benefits for the the students or for the learners. So it's a contribution into the kitchens. I mean, when the spinach is is doing wonderfully, there's a constant regular supply into the kitchen of spinach, which we know Mm. is one of the most nutritionally rich vegetables. Um, We have things like beetroot, Cabbage has been difficult for me, I know personally, and even in the garden, but we had a great harvest of butternut and pumpkin, um, spinach, like I said, onions. So it gets, it, it gets, get, it gets really robust, beautiful, and sometimes there's a surplus, which we then, um, give to the children to take home. So it's, it's to complement what's coming out of the kitchen to feed the children. And the staff actually said, please, can you plant herbs for us? So we had to start including a herb garden because they said they want to be able to add a little bit more, uh, not spice, but like, you know, flavor and flair to the food. (laughs) So we added a herb garden. Um, So that was their request, in fact. So it it goes to the kitchen. Part of the produce goes to the kitchen. And then um, we also use them as teaching gardens. I mean, it's been shown that children who experience, who learn through experience, experiential learning, uh, is so much more, is so much better. And what better way to demonstrate concepts that are in the textbooks that are being taught in the classroom in the real world. So children do come out and if they're learning about germination, for instance, they'll be yes. able to see it happen in the garden as well. So those concepts, there's a garden club, they're part of the garden club. Um, so that's the, uh, the, that's the, the recreational side of it but it's also a teaching garden um, and a contributor to, to the kitchen. You know, this idea of watching something grow and learning about germination, we talk about it often on the show. I mean, it's such a great metaphor for watching your child grow from seed to <laughs> strength in the most amazing way. In order to organize this, I mean, this is not something that one could just snap one's fingers and it happens. I mean, you have to have the buy-in of the school I imagine you have to have the buy-in of the principals, the teachers, the parents. Talk to us about that. Oh, that's really been, you know, apart from what you're learning in the garden and the lessons you have to learn, we've also had, we've learned a lot in dealing with the school community, in dealing with principals. We're in three schools and each school is completely unique, you know. Um, and the way it's run, the the values, the culture of each school. I, I chose the first school because it's a school that I go past when I go to my mom's house in Pinville, Soweto. Like, I drive past it all the time. And for years, it broke my heart because it's just, it's a poor environment for, for, for children. You know, we know the inequality in this country. To, to learn in no facilities, you know, the, the, the windows, the, the buildings, and so on. And I thought... 
what can one do to, to give back and to try and contribute in a meaningful way? Yes, uh, uh, paint on the walls, nice bright paint on the walls, murals and all that, great. But are there, what are the ways that we could give back um, in a better way? So we started engaging with the principal, and she was a great partner. But soon, of course, there are other people, there are other stakeholders that have to be brought in. We have to have the buy-in of the teachers, and the teachers are overwhelmed. Um, we had to get the buy-in of parents, parents who might not have, even even if they are home, because many we know the levels of unemployment in this country, they might not see this as something they need to expend their energy on. And then the SGB, of course, they have a level of authority in the school, and you're an outsider coming in, wanting to impact or affect how they or how they do things, change or demand of their effort in how they do things. Um, and I must say that it's been it's had its bumps in the road because we also have expectations of the school. We don't just come in and give because um, I'm still self-funding the project, so that's that's been quite a wait. So we don't just want to come in and be the givers and, and, and uh, the only ones contributing. We started then ex- having expectations of the school and their contribution to their project and requiring demand uh, expectations because initially it wasn't like that. So that was a hard lesson to learn that you cannot, uh, you have to bring people along, number one, yeah. but also secondly, that it has to be mutual value, there has to be shared value. It has to be a shared vision and mutual contribution. Um, and that's what we then took into the schools that followed. So you uh, have actually figured out a way to get people to have a shared vision, which is absolutely critical. What do you think it was that was the turning point for many of the people that you were talking to and working to that made them go, yeah, I want to be part of this game? I think it'd be surprising to how many people want to be involved or how deeply yeah. people want to be involved uh, in making a change. And that, when we started uh, having, because the one meeting we went to at the second school, the very first meeting, in, uh, the very second meeting, the first was with the school leadership and the principal, and the second one was with the parents and the SGB at a parent meeting on a Saturday at 8 a.m., and parents came, the school went through their agenda, they added us to the agenda, and we had to address the, the, the parents and tell them what it is that we do. The, there were so many ideas from the audience. There were so many ideas from the parents. In fact, one of the things that we ended up incorporating was from one of the parents who said, can we have some kind of reward, badge, certificate, something, like the garden club, the kids must be a garden club, and the kids must be able to say, uh, look what I achieved. <laughs> I'm a gardener and this is what I've done, you know. Um, yeah. And so the buy-in is, is, I think when you when you communicate in an open way, if you communicate that with not arrogance as in we have the answers, but that this is what we would like, what do you think? Uh, this is yeah. what we propose, what do you think? Constantly with a what do you think? Or um, how does that make you feel? And I find that people then are more willing to to talk openly about their own misgivings, uh, their own desires, uh, they, because they also walk around not happy with, their, with what they see and would like to impact change in, in, in their environment. And I think it's just about that opportunity. In the third school, uh, we 
made a call for parents to come and help to clear the space that had been identified and demarcated. And initially, at the first call that that was made, we had no turnout whatsoever from parents um, to come and help with the clearing and participating in the gardens. And then we made another call and a different kind of call. Um, And people came on that day. And so we're learning these lessons along the way. There's a power in collaboration. Um, There's a power in just humility in how you deal with people when you come in and when you want to implement and how you take them along in the journey. Pinville is the older, is the first school that we went into. We made some terrible mistakes and some were uh, in our uh, in our control and others weren't. You wouldn't believe the conditions of many of our schools. That school yeah. didn't have, it was in an area that didn't have electricity and it also had a poor water supply. And um, we had a, a year that was just just hopeless because uh, we had an infestation, because there, there was lack of water, so it was really discouraging. And it takes other people being a part of a unit when you when you start to lose hope, when things start to lose momentum and traction, to be the ones to lift each other up. And it was that collective that ensured that you know things stayed afloat and that we were able to solve this problem. We had to then look at solving the infrastructure problem. Um, yeah. before coming back to the garden. And I also realized that this is actually more than just a garden project. <laughs> we now it's have a metaphor. Yeah. It's, it, it becomes a metaphor solving. for something much bigger. Exactly, exactly. Solving our yeah. own problems in our society. Yeah. Zania, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we wish you all the best on what looks like an amazing, amazing project. And uh, we appreciate you making the difference, saying, well, I'm not going to just sit there and talk. I'm going to make a huge difference as well. Zania Masaka, founder, fundraiser, strategist. She's uh, the founder of Peo Impact Gardens. And if you want to find out more about them, you can go onto the website, Peo, P-E-O-I-M-P-A-C-T, Impact Gardens. Com. It's 7.30.